Welcome back to yet another MTG podcast, the chill podcast where we talk about all things Magic the Gathering and specifically Commander. Today, I have brought in one of my friends, Ethan, and we are going to be looking at his Sliver Tribal Deck Commander deck. Hello. Hello, Ethan. Welcome to the show. I'm here now. All right, Ethan. How long have you been playing Magic the Gathering? For about five years, I think. All right, and how long have you been playing Commander? Not that long. I'm just just starting to get to get into the format. Okay, so not super long into the Commander scene, but very familiar with the rules of Magic and how it all works. Yes. And then, what is your favorite color? Colors? What What do you like? What kind of player do you like to be at the table? What What colors do you like to play? Well, I'm more into um, white and black and blue, like. Um, What's that? What's the name for it? Esper. 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 But I'm I can really settle down with um Orzhov. Is that how you say it? Yeah, that's just black and black, black and, white. and white. Yeah. I really like black and white, but sometimes I can deal with um all five colors, like you know what I have right here. Just like Sam. Sam likes to play literally any color that's not blue, but sometimes occasionally will say I'll play blue if as long as it's the least amount in a five color deck. <laughs> just so he could play a five-color commander like Morophone. And then overall, before we look into your deck, on a scale from one to ten, how would you say you know about all things Magic the Gathering? I'd say average, like, 6.5. 6.5. All right. So if you think that Ethan is not a 6.5 after listening to this video, let him know and, you know, tell him he's bad. Yeah, I am bad. <laughs> all right. Let us take a look at what you brought to the table today. Who is your commander? Uh, the first sliver. Um, it has Cascade, and it gives all sliver spells Cascade as well. And Cascade says, when you cast a spell, exile cards from the top of your library until you exile a non-land card that costs less. You may cast it without paying its mana cost. Put the exile cards on the bottom of your library in a random order. So this is a very cut-and-dry sliver tribal deck. There are no really changeling things going on here. It is basically sliver tribal with the first sliver, and you're just going to be cascading into billions of slivers. Um, obviously, the color identity is Wooburg. It has all five colors represented. There's a lot of spells to go over. There's a lot of colors. This deck is very, very colorful. I mean, it's a rainbow. I do not like playing five colors because I think it's too much of a headache to figure out mana base and color fixing and... You know, I'm just going to play mono blue and counter everything and make things really easy for everybody and just say you can't cast anything for the rest of the game. Well, that's uh, that's not very nice of you, Nigel. Well, you know how it is sometimes. Yeah, so taking a look now at EDH Rec, I like to do this with every commander that we bring into the studio. We are looking at EDH Rec to see what number rank the first sliver comes in at. And it looks like first sliver comes in at 73 which is our first commander, I believe, that we've looked at that is in the top 100. Yes. I believe so. I could be very wrong, but I know Sam's Timna and Tana deck was not, and I think that was like the one that was the highest. But yeah, first sliver is not... I wouldn't say it's like the most common sliver commander. Usually people run for, uh, sliver overlord. Yeah, sliver overlord or like um, sliver queen or... 
I haven't seen First Sliver run as a Sliver deck in a while. I honestly haven't seen another player play Slivers besides one other player at our local game store besides you. Yeah. And when I first started playing Commander, when it kind of like first started, you know, popping around like 2015, 2016 at local game stores, everybody was running Slivers. Like Slivers were freaking everywhere. It was like the tribal deck of all tribal decks. Yeah, Slivers were just very... Uh... They they really were just funny to me, and I was just like, why don't I just make a com- like a um, commander deck about it? Because one of my friends had a modern sliver deck that he just had like a bunch of them in, and then he beat me really badly like a bunch of times. He's like, you know what? I'm gonna make my own. So here we are now. Yeah, and I mean, in modern now they're not like super great, but I mean, you guys are just playing like some little kitchen table magic, and I mean. Playing yeah, slivers on kitchen table magic is very scary when you're just getting into the game because like they kind of do everything. Years ago. Yeah, yeah. But in commander, they're still pretty much as powerful and scary as they are for kitchen table magic because, again, they're very resilient. You play one sliver and then they all get this ability, and they're it's just keyword soup basically at this point. What's funny is that I had a sliver overlord as my commander, but then realizing this doesn't stay out past like turn five when i'm playing with my friends because they all get scared to be like oh ethan can just tutor up like three slivers in one go i'm like no i have like i have to pay like three mana and it goes into my hand which is also the reason i cut it because you have to pay three mana to just put it into your hand not just to get onto the battlefield yeah first sliver is i mean you can kind of see the power creep in magic over a few years because sliver overlord came out you know when slivers first came out and the first sliver came out, what, Modern Horizons? So that's, what, like three years ago? Um, and now he just says, you can run all slivers, and then you just get, like, ten of them at one shot. I don't have Sliver Queen. I'm not I'm not that rich. <laughs> no, but I mean, first sliver with Cascade. Sliver Queen was actually made Stronghold, so that's, like, way, 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 way back there. Yeah. But first sliver seems much more powerful than Sliver Overlord, and s- you can see power creeping because... Cascade's a new ability, new-ish ability, I should say, and it's kind of nuts when you can give all of your spells Cascade. Yeah, when I'm playing with my friends at my house, they'll be talking about something, and I'll be taking my turn, and then I play first sliver, and then I can Cascade into, like, three others, and I, I can just keep Cascading, and then I go to my, I pass my turn, and then my friend Isaiah looks back and goes... Guys, we not see what Ethan has right now, and there's like ten slivers out on the board, and everyone's just like, "Wait, what happened?" I'm just like, "I took my turn. You guys weren't watching." Well, I don't know, and like Cascade's really scary because like with cards like uh, that one sliver that gives them all like what flying and haste, cloud shredder. Yeah, you can just be like, "Oh, I'm just gonna like cast a bunch of spells." Oh wait, now they all have haste, and they all have plus two, plus two, and trample, and flying, and shroud, and oh, okay, I'm just gonna swing in and kill everybody in like a single turn. It's, so, yeah. yeah, First Sliver is definitely, I think, one of the best Sliver commanders. I know I kind of pushed you in the direction of building him instead of Overlord because I was like, hold on. Like, I know First Sliver's in your 99, but listen. Listen how good he is. Like, watch, play one game. Play one game with him. He's crazy. And then I actually did some stuff. I actually got to, like, you know, I had something on the board. Usually when I played Sliver Overlord, I had, like, two things out for, like, the whole game. So that was pretty uh, pretty disappointing. But anyways... All right, so moving on to looking more at the deck list, looking at your Moxfield list, how much, what is the general budget for your Sliver deck? Around like $500. It's pretty expensive, but Slivers are not known to be cheap. Yeah, and I mean, knowing as it is one of the most popular tribes in Magic, a lot of their cards are just expensive because they're popular just because they have the word Sliver on them. Not necessarily because they're the most crazy cards in the world. Also, if you didn't know, tribal decks 
are deceivingly cheap for maybe the cards that you want to build in. So say you want to build Dog Tribal. I don't think dog cards are going to be expensive, but thinking tribal cards like Herald's Horn, um, Coat of Arms, like those staple cards that go in all the tribal decks tend to be more expensive. So that also drives the price up just a little bit. All right. Now we've looked about how much uh, the deck is. What would you say is the power level? So saying, you know, one is like you spent 20 cents on the deck and threw it together in your bulk, five being strictly pre-con, and then 10 being like really, really like prime CDH. Um, I'd say it's like, it's not like the, it's not like a bulk. I, I think it's like around like five or six. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think it's like six. Um, I think it's definitely a little bit stronger than a pre-con, like maybe like an upgraded pre-con level. So like if you, you and your friends bought a bunch of pre-cons and like they upgraded them and then you brought this to the table, I think power level match would be fairly yeah. equal. I did. I built this by scratch. All my friends that I play with have bought pre-cons and they've just used that throughout their few months of playing this game. I built this purely from scratch. I was like, okay, I went on to EDH rec, looked up, well, originally I did Sliver Overlord, but then I changed the commander later. But I looked through all these slivers and all the cards and I said, this is good, this is good, this is good. And then put them all in the mox field. And, I, and then here we are, I have my deck now. I bought all the cards. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's kind of how deck building works. You kind of get an idea. You like a certain tribe and you're like, all right, I'm going to throw this much money at this deck and see what happens. And I mean, that's another good way of getting into magic. Like if you have, like like you said, you have friends that just got pre-cons and, you know, they're slowly starting to learn how to play. They're slowly upgrading it. You do not want to go to the table with a really, you know, souped up commander deck, maybe level like eight to 10 and sit down and play with them because you'll win and no one will have a good time besides you. And then your friends will no longer want to play magic with you. All right, moving on. Let's look at the stats of your deck. The, you know, number-wise, the little nitty-gritty stuff. So it looks like you are running 11 ramp cards. Makes sense. Your commander is all five colors. You're running a lot of land ramp, like Farseek, Search for Tomorrow, Rampant Growth, uh, Growing Rates of Itlamok, which is basically a guy's cradle on a budget, which makes sense because I don't think many people can afford a guy's cradle. Um, and then obviously, definitely, obviously, definitely the two strongest mana dorks you have would be your mana whiff and your gem hide sliver. Yeah. Since they give all your slivers the ability to tap for one mana of any color. It makes all your slivers little birds of paradises. And on top of that, I have smothering tithe, which allows me to ramp even further. If I'm struggling behind on like lands, I can go around the table and be like, hey, do you pay two mana? And they're just like, no. So I get a treasure token, and then I can sack all that for mana, which is nice. Well, and treasures are really nice, too, because they allow you to get one mana of any color. I mean, I know this deck's only like $500, so you don't have, you know, fetches, shock lands, you know, all of like the really good color-fixing lands. So treasures are really nice that you can get that Wooberg mana that you need to cast your commander. Yeah. Which, I mean, once you cast your commander, then your deck just like pops off because it has cascade itself. So it just, you know, spirals and out of control. My friends do not really like smothering tithe because they don't like how I keep asking them, do you pay the two mana? Oh, I mean, that's kind of like Ristic study and uh, feeding the fish with mystic or more. It's the same thing. You know, it's like you stop a player every two seconds. You got to pay two for that. You're going to pay one for that. You, yeah. You're going to do that. And then they're just like, 
I don't pay two mana for that. I'm like, okay, get a treasure token. And there's like, guys, we need to take care of that. Well, like I, I think treasures. I think definitely Smothering Tithe is like, I think people think is less of a threat than like Ristic Study because people see you drawing cards and seeing your hand grow and being like, oh man, like we got to stop that. We got to stop him from drawing. Combo that with Reliquary Tower. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just really, like drawing cards is a very powerful thing where I think getting treasures is also a very powerful thing but it's not quite as powerful as drawing cards so everybody's like oh it's like i mean i'm not gonna pay two mana i don't want to stop my turn to like just just make you have a normal turn so i'm just gonna i'm not gonna pay for that you can have mana you can have mana you can have mana until it's like you get to your turn you're like man nice thing i have six extra mana to spend on this turn then i'm just gonna plop my entire hand onto the field one time when i we were trading decks in school i was playing your queen deck and I think it got to the point where I had 18 treasure tokens on Smothering Tithe. And then I sacked all of them to do, like, uh, draw X cards. And I think I milled myself out, which was pretty funny. But Yeah, I mean, Smothering Tithe is a really good uh, card. It did just get reprinted to Noble Masters. So if you are needing it for a deck, you should probably pick it up as well, soon, like $25 yeah, as, soon as you possibly can. Because this card is a competitive... Maybe not a competitive staple, but definitely like regular commander staple if you are in the color white at all. It really does help you get those extra mana that you need to cast whatever you want. White is one of my favorite colors in this game. Um, also, I just want to touch on, like we talked about some of the tribal cards. One of your tribal ramp cards is Herald's Horn. Herald's Horn is a three mana artifact that says when it enters the battlefield, you choose a creature type and creature spells of the chosen type cost one less to cast. And, at the beginning of your upkeep, look at the top card of your library. If it's a creature card of the chosen type, you may reveal it and put it into your hand. Which is very powerful because you're basically just drawing two cards, basically. Yeah, I mean, Herald's Horn is really good because it's it's a cost reductor for all your slivers. So all your slivers are one less, which technically could be better than a mana rock because you're getting more than one tap, technically, in a turn rotation, in a turn cycle, in your turn because you can you don't have to tap it for mana. And it says, you know, at the beginning of your upkeep, look at the top of your library. If it's a creature card of the chosen type, so if it's a sliver, you may reveal it, put it into your hand. And that's before you draw. So you get to look at the top card, reveal it if it's a sliver, put it in your hand, and then draw. So you're drawing two cards with this card. This card's really good. Yeah. In case you didn't know, if you've never played against a tribal deck, if you've never built a tribal deck, Herald's Horn is like the go-to card when you build it because it's colorless it goes in every single one it reduces the cost and it draws you cards really good card um again herald's horn's still probably like ten dollars it was last time i checked i don't think it's gotten reprinted anytime soon um so if you do play a tribal deck you probably should you know break down and spend the you know 10 or so dollars however much it is right now because i feel like it's like soul ring you know they're just going to keep reprinting it and it's just it's not going to go down because it's a staple. All right. All right. Moving on to the next category, card draw. So I was looking at your deck list and I kind of threw together six cards, which I think are card draw. One of them being very clear card draw. Can I read it? Distant Melody. Choose a creature type. Draw a card for each permanent you control of that type. So I obviously choose Sliver. And then I have like, let's just say I have like five or six on the board. That means I draw six cards with just this one card. Yeah, and it's four mana. So people like, people don't like card draw. That's kind of a little bit of a mana sink. And it's a sorcery. So, you know, you got to put all this mana in on your turn. You can't flash it at instant speed. But 
the amount of cards that you can draw for just four mana is pretty ridiculous. Especially if you have like Brood Sliver out. If you, if you don't know what Brood Sliver does, it effectively says whenever you deal damage to another player with a sliver, you create a 1-1. One, one. And that is to each opponent. So you, you attack three opponents with your slivers and you have Brood Sliver out, you get three 1-1s. One, now combo that with Distant Melody, suddenly you're at nine slivers, you play Distant Melody down, boom, you draw nine cards. Yeah, Distant Melody is definitely the highest drawing card that you have in your library. In your library. Um, a very strong card. Again, another very good staple if you are running any kind of tribal deck. Also, it does say for each permanent you control of that type, which means there are certain instances where there are like... Changelings. Yeah, changelings or tribal artifacts, tribal lands and stuff like that. Yeah. I don't think there's as much... Like, I've seen tribal instants, tribal sorceries, but... You never know as we go through the next couple of years where new cards are released, they might start introducing like tribal different kind of permanents. So yeah. just something to keep in mind with Distant Melody. And then looking more, you have Realm Walker. Again, a changeling that is a very good staple in Kaldheim that came out for tribal decks. It allows you to choose a creature type, look at the top card, and then cast creature spells of the chosen type from the top of your library. My um, friends were confused about Realm Walker one time. They're like, how did you play that card off the top of your library? And I just had to read them Realm Walker. And they're just like, oh, that's how you did it. Yeah, it's fairly, it's really simple in Magic. One of the one of the key rules is uh, reading the card explains the card. Yeah, I am one of the people that struggled with that for a while. Especially uh, when going against Nigel. Yeah, um, that was kind of a little joke in our playgroup was having Ethan, you know, show the card in front of Ethan's face until he finally read it. And then he'd be like, oh, I yeah. see I, I was not the best at understanding what cards, but I honestly, I feel like I'm doing better now, but, you know, I have to deal with my friend's constant shouting, so I feel like I get distracted. <laughs> but anyways. All right. And then you have the three slivers themselves that kind of draw you cards with Opaline Sliver. It says all slivers have whenever this creature becomes the target of a spell an opponent controls, you may draw a card. It's kind of like Ward, but... Instead of your opponent having to pay extra or lose life or discard a card or something, you may draw a card. So that's a nice little card draw piece. Um, you obviously have Synapse Sliver, which is the five that's mana. That's like forty dollars right now. Yeah, I believe it. Uh, whenever a sliver deals combat damage to a player, it's controlling may draw a card. So this counts every sliver when it hits. I mean, that's that's a lot of value for five mana. And then Hollowhead Sliver is just a little looter that says all slivers you control off tap, discard a card, and draw a card. Which is nice in case I'm behind on like mana or whatnot. Yeah. Um, the last piece of card draw I want to go over is Return of the Wildspeaker. It is a four and a green mana for an instant that says choose one. Draw cards equal to the greatest power among non-human creatures you control. Which, unless you have a changeling, all of them are slivers, which are non-human. Or non-human creatures you control get plus three, plus three until end of turn. So this is kind of like a big card draw or kind of a game finisher. Yeah. Which is really nice to have because, I mean, you're running five colors and you're running slivers. So you're probably not going to try and play like Crater Hoof to win the game or any other kind of effect like this. But the option to also draw cards is really nice. Also, your commander is a power seven. So just having your commander out and playing Return of the Wildspeaker, you basically just get a new hand. Which yeah. is pretty sweet. Or you can sweet. make him like make the commander a ten ten and just you know. 
Well, yeah, yeah. and then, you know, when you combine all your other slivers, it's like they get plus three, plus two, they get flying, they get trample, they get this. It's like, okay, well, now they also get plus three, plus three. And it's like, oh, uh uh-oh, we might be dead. Yeah, which is, my friends, do not take kindly to slivers. Um, If you're watching this, uh, you think my deck is bad, just wait till you get into the competitive scene, because my friends are, like, new, they don't know how to play the game well, and my sliver deck is mid-tier, I'd say. Like, it's really good, but it's not, like, overly competitive. And they struggle against a mid-tier deck like this, my sliver deck. Now, going against a competitive deck, like, um, stacks or whatever, it'd be, like, it'd be way worse, if that, if that makes sense. Well, I mean, playing against stacks in general just makes the game worse, but... It's not fun. When you play stacks, I mean, that's when you just you're, have you're the time a, of your life. Yeah, you're having a good time. All right, looking at a few other little tidbits of the deck, we have removal. You have seven pieces of removal, two of them being board wipes with Dam and Blasphemous Act. Um, Just want to touch on two of your removal pieces since they are slivers. You have Harmonic Sliver, which basically says all slivers have aura shards. When this permanent enters the battlefield, you destroy target artifact or enchantment. And Necrotic Sliver, which says all slivers have pay three mana, sacrifice this permanent to destroy target permanent. So Harmonic Sliver is really good because Aura Shards is a really good staple in white and green. And then Necrotic Sliver being able to just blow up anything on the board for three mana and sacrificing one of your little slivers. Sacrifice a 1-1, boom. Suddenly like this 20-20 demon on the enemy team is now gone. Yeah, I really like this card because you can kind of keep like, you know guns pointed at everybody at the same time so you can bound to be like don't mess with me i'll blow up your stuff my lands out untapped like don't mess with me or like you already know all your stuff's being removed so combo that with training grounds make that a one mana (laughs) sacrifice (laughs) that's actually kind of funny yeah yeah training grounds you do run training grounds in your deck right now um because you used to run sliver overlord as your commander but yes training grounds with necrotic sliver is just really dumb. really dumb it, yeah. it, one mana and sacrifice a one one to destroy anything on the board i don't even think i'd be mad at that point like if you're playing a deck that that is your strategy i play necrotic sliver and training grounds and i just sit there you know with like all my mana untapped and just like control the board i think i would i would love that game not that i would have really much fun because all my stuff would be destroyed but it'd be, it'd be a very creative way to win the game yeah um, all right Another off-topic tangent I feel like we could go to before we go on. Another funny combo, like I have Blasphemous Act, and there's a sliver in my deck called Spiteful Sliver. Me and Nigel talked about this earlier. It's um, you play Spiteful Sliver, all your slivers have, whenever this creature is dealt damage, it deals that much damage to target player Planeswalker. Come with that with Blasphemous Act, which says this card does 13 damage to each creature, and if all the slivers have that and you have like 10 on the board, you can do- deal out like 10 13s to each player. So you could probably kill someone. Yeah. Uh, I mean, 130 damage with, you Two know. Cards. And I mean, if you're anywhere through a game, people are going to be at less than 40 life anyway. So yeah, it is a really funny way. I was talking about how some people run Piru and kind of do a stuffy draw, stuffy doll strategy where they play all these cards that are like Spiteful Sliver and then kill everybody. But yeah, it is funny that one of your board wipes can just win the game. Um, yeah, I mean, so both of your board wipes, Dam, which is that two-mana sorcery that can just destroy target creature, or it can be an overload um, for two and two white. That's a Wrath of God. I was planning on cutting that, uh, surprisingly, for Kindred Dominance. 
Nigel was uh, very hesitant. He's like, I don't know if you should, you know, swap out that for a thirty-five dollar board wipe. Yeah, well, I like Dam because it's only two mana and it's versatile. I actually run this in competitive, to be honest. Um, but it's very good. Kindred Dominance is a little expensive with five and two black, but it, you know, you can choose a creature type and then blow all creatures that aren't of that type. So you can choose Slivers and keep them all. But I think Dam is way better. I mean, less mana. Yeah, and it can be just a single target removal if you need a single target removal. But Blasphemous Act can also be a one-sided board wipe if you have the other sliver that gives all of your slivers indestructible. Hive Lord. Yeah. I which mean, I have in here as well. Yeah, actually, both of your uh, board wipes would just be one-sided because they both just say destroy or deal a bunch of damage. All right, and then rounding out numbers, you have three sources of protection, which we won't go over. I mean... One of them is Heroic Intervention. I think you could fill in the rest. And then you have one Tutor, which is a very nice, old-looking Demonic Tutor. You have one Counterspell in Arcane Denial. And you have one Recursion, which is a Fido Dredging, which just basically says you return three target creature cards of the same creature type from your graveyard to your hand. Yep. And I do feel like a Fido Dredging is basically just a slightly worse Return from Extinction because, you know, it's five mana to do that. And Return from Extinction is two mana to return two things which I think is a bit better. Yeah, just a little bit of uh, mana reduction there, which, I mean, that's an easy swap. We're just looking at your deck list, what it is now. I mean, obviously, one upgrade in the future, you're going to probably cut this card. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our sponsor. All right, we're back, and we're going to get right back to it. All right, so my main goal is to get my first liver out as soon as possible. Like I have a bunch of, uh, I have evolving wilds, terramorphic expanse and ash barons sacrifice all of them, get a bunch of lands. And then if I have like mana weft in my hand, play that. And then I have five. So I play first liver and then I can just cascade into a bunch of cards. The one downside of this deck is it's very fast paced. If I get slowed down by a counter spell or removal, I'm going to be set behind a bit. I remember my friend, he counter he destroyed my um my first liver and I was set behind really badly. That's the one downside of this deck is you need to like be on top of the game at all times and if you're not, you're gonna be behind because that's what happens to me a lot of the times because everyone focuses me because I'm the most experienced player at our table and the slivers are scary so they all just target me and they like so I'm not the biggest threat anymore. But yeah, that's my strategy. Just get things out as soon as possible. Yeah, and I think that's kind of the strategy with most sliver decks going into battle. I mean, you're just trying to swarm the board with your little 1-1s that, you know, keyword soup, like I said earlier. You're just going to give them any keyword that you possibly can and make 800 of them and try and take over the board. And like you said in your pod, most of, most of the people that you play with are kind of low-experienced players, so it makes sense that they want to target you first because you know what they're doing. But keyword of advice, if your pod members are listening... Um, slivers are very powerful, yes, but they are very susceptible to board wipes. That is what I was saying to my friends, and they're like, you know what you're doing, they're not, they're really annoying to deal with. I'm like, that is true, but you play Blasphemous Act, or, and if I don't have Spiteful Sliver out, then all of them are gone. Or if I don't have Hive Lord out, then all of them are gone. Or, uh, let's see, what's, do you, is there a board wipe that exiles things? Play Farewell, it's a new card, it's white. And boom, all my stuff is gone. And yeah, I'm just like screwed everything. for the whole game. <laughs> yeah. If you are playing, you know, with people that you're kind of scared about that are swarming off, just play more board wipes. I mean, I I know a lot of people that are playing like Commander Magic right now are kind of like, no, I run more targeted removal. No, I'm kind of like running low removal. But it's like, 
if you're running, if you're playing against people that are running at a lower power level, most of the ways that lower power level decks win is by swarming the board and swinging in with creatures. So playing board wipes, playing mass removal like that kind of limits you from dying faster, or it kind of resets the board to kind of put everybody back at an equal starting point. Yeah. So if you are playing in a little bit of lower power, I do recommend that you run probably three to four board wipes, depending on your pod or meta. It's all meta dependent. You know, if you're playing against all spell slinger decks constantly that play like three creatures, you're probably not going to want to run a bunch of board wipes. But, you know, if you play with Ethan a lot, that's constantly, you know, slamming like little slivers at you constantly. It's like, yeah, you might want to run one or two more board wipes. But I mean, I think that's how it is for every player. It all depends on your meta. It all depends on who you're playing with, who, you know, you want to target yeah. with certain spells. Um, You had uh, you had listed on uh, what your favorite cards are. Uh, it's, It was a tough one for me. I really like Smothering Tithe. Like we talked about Smothering Tithe earlier because it's so versatile and it has so much value just by an opponent drawing a card. You can get a lot of value out of that and combo that with like, so I had this really cool play. I'll get to that later. But if you combo that with Sliver Overlord, you can use like three treasures to pay for its ability and then do whatever else you need to do. But we'll get on to the the cool play I have saved later. Yeah, Smothering Tithe, like we said earlier, is a very, very powerful card. It's it's really good. I mean, I don't I don't know any deck that... I mean, obviously, if you're not in white, you can't run it. But any deck that has white splashed in somewhere, I don't know why you wouldn't want to run it. Unless you... You know, you don't want to spend twenty five dollars on smothering tithe, which I highly, I highly recommend at this point. I paid for it when it was like forty five. Yeah, before it was dropped down in price. Uh, I I bought the Alela Artful Provocator, whatever the 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 fairy brawl deck back in Throne of Eldraine that had it in there, and I didn't even know it was in there back then. And that's kind of when I started playing Commander more like regularly, and I was like, holy cow, this card's really good. And that's when it you know skyrocketed to like fifty dollars when everybody played it. Another underrated card in my deck, not underrated, but like another card in general I want to talk about is Sliver Legion. Now, this is another one that could be run as your commander, but it's very, it's like a very, this is, I'm going to win this turn kind of card. All slivers get plus one, plus one for each other sliver on the battlefield. So if you have five out on the battlefield, right, and you play Sliver Legion, and and since it counts itself, Plus six, plus six to every other sliver on the board. Yeah, I mean, this is just coat of arms. This is coat of arms on a body. With seven, seven power. Yeah, it's huge. Like, I know uh, some people that play slivers that run this as their command. I mean, there's so many sliver commanders. There's so many five mana legendary creatures that are slivers that have crazy abilities. We have sliver legion. We have sliver hive lord. We have sliver overlord, sliver queen, the first sliver. There's five of them. There's five, five mana slivers that are legendary that I can think of on the top of my head. And they're not just good, you know, in the command zone. They're all good in sliver decks because all their abilities are just freaking nuts. Yeah. But, I don't know. I'm still waiting for when I have enough money to get Sliver Queen and then my deck's done, so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Sliver Queen is, what, resting at like $260, $300, somewhere in there. So, it makes sense that you don't have a Sliver Queen yet. But, you know, at one point, you know, at, I see them reprinting this card... At some point, I don't know if it's on the reserve list. If they do, I'm going to be a bit upset. I highly doubt it's on the reserve list because I feel like it would be a lot more if it was. But I can see this getting a reprint in a master set somewhere down the line. I'm going to be a bit upset if it is, though, because that means I spent like almost $300 just for it to be down to like 100 
Yeah, I mean, people do that every day. I mean, look at, um, we were just talking before the show, we were looking at Double Masters 2022 prices and how Imperial Seal was 500 to $700 before it got reprinted in Double Masters and now is resting under $90, which I couldn't believe. I thought it was still above 90 but now it's under yeah. 90 So, Yeah, but that's basically everything about the deck-wise I want to, me and Nigel want to talk about. Um... Let's see here. Um, now I want to talk about this really funny play I had. It was pretty recent, so I was at my, I was at Isaiah's house. Isaiah, you know you know how I'm talking about. There, I have two Isaiahs. I have to know, but it, you get the point. Anyways, what I'm trying to say is, so he was winning the game. He had this vampire out that was. It said whenever this deals damage to a player that it gets that many plus one plus one counters on it. It got to a forty eight forty eight. I was left on one HP. Because he wanted to let me live because for some reason he wanted to let me live. I come back with an explosive turn. I had like five treasures from Smothering Tithe. And I had a lot of mana and I had gem hide out. So I did all my mana and I realized, okay, I could probably win the game here. What I tried to do was sacrifice all my treasures to tutor up two slivers from Sliver Overlord. And since it was training grants, it costed two less. Now, and then I got Cloud Shredder and Amiibo Changeling. Cloud Shredder, I was able to play since it was Amiibo Changeling. What I was going to do is I was going to take control of his 48-48, but I needed to pay one more mana from Sliver Overlord to gain control of it. And I was missing that one mana. And they were like, the entire time I was doing this turn, they are like, we should have killed him sooner. Why did we let you live? And they're like, I swear, if he comes back, I'm going to be so mad. And then I'm like, yeah, I'm one mana short. I lost, so... Even though it was a loss for me, it was still funny because they were all like, is he going to come back and win the game? <laughs> yeah, that's another thing with Slivers. You can easily come back if you have the right amount of mana and cards for it. What I would say, I feel like Slivers 2, you can just kind of win out of nowhere, right? I keep I keep going back to this one, the Cloud Shredder one. Is that the one that gives them all haste? This one right here. Yeah, that's the one I constantly think about is Cloud Shredder Sliver. It's like all your creatures gain flying and haste. So like... Oh man, he's got all these blockers. There's no way I can win. I'm I'm so low on health. And it's like, oh wait, flying and haste and haste for red and white. So it's like, okay, I win the game. I mean, it, it's just crazy. I mean, there's so many cards in slivers. It's just like, oh no, you're about to like, you're about to die. All your stuff's about to die. Oh, spiteful sliver. Boom. Now all the damage that's being dealt to your creatures is now being dealt back to your opponents. Oh, your opponents have way too much health. Boom, now they all have poisonous one. Now you're dealing poison counters, so they'll slowly die anyway. Oh, let me tell you about poison. My friends, you thought that the, you know, they thought that the Overlord was bad. They absolutely hate when poison's out. I mean, I don't know what player likes to die from poison damage <laughs> because it's less damage than commander damage and it can kind of kill you out of nowhere. Yeah, but they were like, they always target this 1-1 one, one green mana sliver. Like, they're like, get rid of that. Get rid of this one right now or he's going to kill us all. And then it, it's gone in like turn like two turns. And I'm just like, okay, yeah, that wasn't my way of winning. But it was just nice having it out because my friend Aiden, I was targeting him because his elf deck is absolutely nuts. It's a pre-con. It's one of the newer elf decks. It's green and black. I don't know what the commander is called. But it was a pre-con green and black elf deck. And he was going off. And I'm like, I want to stop this before he gets really built up. So I kept targeting him with poison. And he was at like five poison counters. He was getting annoyed. And I'm just like, well, you have the most, like, you have one of the best precons here. I have to get rid of the biggest threat. And then he goes, you're the biggest threat, Ethan. I'm like, I guess so. But I mean, I guess 
I mean, both of you are going to butt heads because both of you are trying to build up these huge armies and then take over the board. So it does make sense that you kind, of, you two are kind of, you know, unspoken enemies since you're both kind of playing similar strategies. Because Elf Ball, let me tell you, I'm kind of sick of playing against elves. I have a friend that plays elves at the game store with me quite a lot. And I mean, it is a very, very budget deck. It is a very fun deck, but man, it's so good. I mean, elves are just so good at ramping. In case you didn't know, green is just a stupid color. Green it's, can does do everything. everything. And it and elves are a very good example of green because elves are also just printed on so many cards that you don't even think about. Like, so many cards are just like elf shaman elf warrior like there's so many elves that are printed in every set and almost all of them have some crazy effect that goes in yeah. like any deck and then it's like oh but if i put this in my elf deck then you know this, uh, they all get you know plus and plus one from coat of arms this, they all get this four mana elf it was black colored he runs in this deck all the time and it's whenever each uh each player's upkeep that player sacrifices a non-elf creature. He plays it every time, and since he has all elves, it doesn't affect him. And I'm just like, we all get annoyed. It's kind of like when I have the poison sliver out. That's kind of how it is with that card. I'm like, can you just like stop, please? Because it's just getting like, especially people are behind. Like I remember my friend, other Isaiah friend, is running zombies, and he was forced to get rid of like his two zombies. I'm just like, well, that's because of his elf card that like says get rid of all non-elf stuff. It's really annoying. It's a bit, really annoying card. You know who I'm talking to, by the way, if you're watching the podcast. But anyways. <laughs> I think that about wraps it up for this episode. Ethan will come back maybe at some point. Yeah, I'll have another deck for you guys. Maybe, in a, maybe another deck. Maybe we'll talk about some other subject. But I think that's going to do it for us right now. And we'll catch you later. screensaver constantly your eyes are you know sore from just staring at the little words just scrolling back and forth on the little screen yeah